Amen. All right, 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 3, it says, Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. And they said to one another this question, Why are we sitting here until we die? It's a fair question. Why are we sitting here until we die? He goes on to say, If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here... We die also. Sounds like a pretty bad situation. Now therefore, come let us surrender to the army of the Syrians, our enemy. If they keep us alive, we shall live, and if they kill us, we shall only die. They were in this position where it seemed like every single step that they could take offered them the possibility of dying, but they found one option that gave them hope. They said, but if not, What else? What do we have to lose? And they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots, the noise of horses, and the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites, and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. They heard this noise of horses and chariots while these four lepers made their way to the enemy camp. Therefore, they arose and fled at twilight. They left their camp intact, their tents, their horses, and their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. 1 Timothy 6.12 says, Fight the good fight of faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And tonight I want to preach this topic, the physics of faith. The physics of faith. Could you one more time, I know you've already worshipped and you've already invited God into this place, but would you one more time lift your hands and your voice and would you ask God to speak to you? Lord, right now I know that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, anoint every ear in this place. God, anoint every heart and mind in this house. God, I pray increase our faith. God, help us to fight this good fight. Lord, help us not to give up on what you've promised, Lord, but I pray anoint Anoint us, anoint me, God, to deliver your word. God, whatever you want to say, whatever you want to do, God, we give you complete permission. God, have your way tonight in the name of Jesus. We believe it and we pray it all in your name. Can we just give God a hand clap of praise? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated tonight. I know that faith is a spiritual word, but... I believe that faith has physical properties because the Bible says that faith without works is what? It's dead. Faith is more than just believing, but faith involves a response. It's hearing, it's believing, and it's acting on the Word of God, even though all evidence might suggest and all evidence might look like it's hopeless or not even possible. There are physics involved with faith. By no means am I a scientist, not even close, but I did Google Newton's three laws of motion because physics is uh, the matter, something's matter in motion, and I'm going to be using those to understand movement or physics uh, for a couple of points tonight. Don't think that I'm using these as scripture. These are, these are just uh, laws that Newton, whoever Newton is, uh, put together, and I think it'll help us understand hopefully a couple things. And so there are three laws of motion. 
The first law says an object in motion tends to stay in motion. Anyone ever heard that? Anybody in school heard that before? An object in motion tends to stay in motion. An object at rest tends to stay at rest unless acted upon by an unbalanced force. And I vaguely remember studying this concept, I'll be honest. I don't remember a whole lot of what I learned. Uh, if you talk to me very long, you'll, you'll find out. He doesn't remember much from school. Uh, but I do remember, Brother Turner, I, I remember on a mountain once applying Newton's law of motion that an object in motion tends to stay in motion while I was on skis for the very first time. And uh, my youth pastor, any, anyone love your youth pastor? One more time. My youth pastor, he got me on skis that were too big for me, and he began to teach me how to ski. Uh, pastor Kevin Raposo, you should, um, you, should um, you know, shake his hand and thank him for this, what I'm about to tell you sometime. But he got me on what they call the bunny slope, and on the bunny slope is where you begin to learn how to ski. And I, I don't know, I was about 16 years old or so, and I was learning uh, how to, to use the skis and how to, what they call, uh, making a pizza pie. And, you know, you're, you're supposed to carve the mountain in order to keep a safe speed. Uh, you got to go back and forth, and you got to know how to, to bring your feet together, your skis together to slow down. And I wasn't getting any of that. I guess because the skis were too big, I could not control them. I could not slow down. And I was only on a bunny slope that was mostly flat. And they have something on this bunny slope called the tow rope. It's, a, it's the rope of death, I call it. And uh, what happens is all these beginning skiers that don't know what they're doing, they pile up on a rope and hold on for dear life as, they, as it pulls them back up this uh, slight slope. And so I would... I would do my best to go down the bunny slope, and then I would, uh, you know, eventually just kind of fall over and then make my way over to the, the rope, and I would hold on. And at one point, I let go or uh, something happened. I wasn't moving with it, and so I fell. And uh, everyone behind me ended up falling as well, and there was a pile up on the bunny slope. And that's when Pastor Kevin said, I think you're ready for the mountain. Let's go. Hop on the ski lift, and so I'm like, no, did you see what just happened? I am not ready for the mountain. I'm not ready. He doesn't just take me to the next level. He takes me all the way to the highest slope there. The highest slope there. Anybody, once again, love your youth pastor. I hope he never does something like this to you. But uh, he takes me all the way up, and I remember um, getting off of that ski lift and uh, looking down this mountain and the fear that struck my heart. And I began to look down at this, this mountain, and I said, there's no possible way that I am qualified to do this. He said, well, there's no way down <laughs> except on your skis unless you want to walk. And so uh, I think you're ready. And so he, he built me up, he encouraged me, and here I go teetering off the side of this cliff. And when I tell you that an object in motion tends to stay in motion. I am not, I'm not just quoting Newton. I have proved this fact. Because as soon as I teetered over the side of this cliff, I did not stop. I did not slow down. I only sped up the entire time. And at one point, I had one ski on the ground, and you have ski poles. I was one, one ski on the ground and, and both arms in the air. And I was going as fast as I could. Then I finally got, I finally uh, was able to pull it back together and I did this number. 
And whenever you tuck your knees like this, I did it just because I felt safe that way. And my, my arms were going up in the air, so I just tucked in. When you do that, you go even faster, I found out. And so I was flying past everybody else on the mountain. They're, they're going side to side. They're cutting in, and they're, they're taking their time down the mountain. Parents are seeing me come down. They're grabbing their kids, and they're seeing what's happening, and they're getting out of the way. And I'm yelling, move, I can't stop, you know. And I'm just going down the mountain, and I said, my, the only way that I can stop is if I crash. The, the only thing in between me and stopping in that moment was the ski lodge. And so I said, I'm just going to have to throw myself onto the floor, onto the ground, trip myself somehow. And so I caused myself to crash. And skis and ski poles go flying everywhere. And uh, I've never skied again. Praise God. I've never skied again. And what I did, I proved that not only a, an object in motion tends to stay in motion, but then I went and I, I got me a nice cup of hot chocolate in the snow lodge, in the ski lodge, and uh, I, I proved then that an object at rest tends to stay at rest, and I did not go back out for the rest of the night, um, and I, I owe Pastor Kevin that experience to this day. I appreciate him. And so, I believe this story of the four lepers also can prove to us these, this law of motion, if you will. We just read in 2 Kings 7 that these four leprous men are sitting still at the entrance of the gate. And one of them says, why are we sitting here until we die? An object at rest is only going to continue to stay at rest until an unbalanced force, it says, acts upon it. The Bible doesn't give us any backstory. It doesn't uh, paint us a picture of what these four men were doing earlier in life or how they got there necessarily. But all I know is that there were four men with leprosy, and it seems like they had been there for quite a while. Not only were these men suffering with leprosy, but they were also in the middle of a famine, and they were starving to death. Anybody ever been hungry before? Mm. Anybody hungry now and ready for pizza? Just hold it for a little bit longer. But they were starving to death, not that they skipped lunch, but they were literally wasting away in this famine and leprosy. The longer that they sat there, the weaker that they are getting. And every day they go without moving and without food, they were more desperate and more desperate as the days went. And these men that's just been sitting outside of the city gate are dying a slow and painful death until one of them finally asked the question, why? Why are we just sitting here until we die? And I can hear the desperation and the urgency in his voice as he begins to look at this situation that they found themselves in. Are we just going to give up? Are we just going to sit down? Are we just going to stay here? Why? And I don't know if you realize this or not tonight, but every single our faith. We are in a fight for our very faith. And Paul would tell Timothy, fight that good fight of faith. He would later write to him, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. And I have kept the faith. Because there is something trying to steal our faith. There's something trying to rob us of our faith. Every day there's more evidence trying to pile up against you to tell you you might as well lose your faith. You might as well give up hope on them. You might as well give up hope on yourself or this situation. And they, there were many opportunities for Paul to lose his faith, but he said, I've kept my faith. I've won this fight. 
There is a fight for our faith tonight. Because we are saved by grace through faith. Because it's your faith that's able to move mountains. Because it's according to your faith, the Bible says, be it unto you. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because the just shall live by faith. And because we walk by faith and not by sight. There is a fight for our faith. Whether you're 10 years old or or 75 years old or 3 years old, there's always something trying to battle our faith tonight. And before you can lose your faith, the devil wants you to lose your hope because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If you lose your hope, you'll ultimately lose your faith. I lost hope that I could ski. I'll just be honest. I lost my faith in myself, and that's a a funny object lesson, if you will. Uh, But there's many times that we face resistance and we fall and things happen in our life and we ultimately give up and we ultimately sit still and we ultimately throw in the towel because there is a war going on. And so these leprous men are battling hopelessness. They're not just losing their strength, but they're beginning to lose hope. But one of the four begins to break the silence He begins to talk about their options, and the first observation that he makes is, okay, if we go back into the city, there's famine in the city, and we will die. And I can hear the other guys, thanks for that hope, right? Thanks for reviewing our options. Yeah, I appreciate that. If we go back to the city, there's famine in the city, and, and we'll die if we go back. He said going back to where we came from is not an option because if we just turn around and go back to where we came from, we're going to starve. There's nothing that can save us back there. That might be a word for someone tonight. I don't know where you are, and I don't know what you've left behind you. I don't know what you've come from, and I don't know what God's delivered you from. But I want to challenge someone tonight that going back is not an option. Someone needs to make up their mind tonight, wherever you are, that going back to what God has saved me from, that's not going to be an option for me. Going back into the things that God's delivered me out of, that's not going to be an option for me. There's nothing back there in this world that that can satisfy my hungry soul. There's nothing back there that God's brought me out of that can satisfy me, that can do anything for my purpose or my joy or my peace in this world. Anybody ever play Mario before? Something I learned about Mario was that Mario couldn't go backwards. (laughs) There was a screen that was constantly pushing Mario to keep going forward. And it's the same way that God, I believe, created every single one of us here tonight. God did not design you to go backwards. God did not design you to go back into the things that he's delivered you out of, the levels that you've already accomplished, the things that he's already brought you out of, the commitments you've already made, the consecration that he's already gotten you through, everything that you've already given to God. God doesn't want you to go back and pick it back up. Paul would say to the Philippian church, brethren, I count not myself have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Whenever you hit spiritual resistance, one of the greatest temptations that you'll face is to go back on the things that you were delivered from. 
the children of Israel. They were delivered out of slavery in Egypt, and God rescued them from their enemies. He set their course towards the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. But the moment they began to face resistance, they started talking about what they left behind in Egypt. Pharaoh let the people go, but the people didn't let Pharaoh go. They were still talking about the, the things that they ate. They were still talking about the things that they, they uh, indulged in back in Egypt. And I feel like I might be talking to someone that has a mighty call of God on your life. And God has given you promises. And God has laid his hand on you. And God has shown you all that you're capable of doing in, in him and through him. And you're reaching forth unto those things which are before, like Paul would write. But at the same time, maybe you're being pulled by those things which are behind you. Paul said, there's one thing that I've learned to do, and that's forget those things that are behind. I've got to forget the things that are behind so that I can reach toward the things that are before. If you've repented of your sins, if you've been baptized in the name of Jesus, if you've been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, listen, you need to press towards the mark of the high calling, the, the prize that God has put before you, the promise that God has put before you. You can leave those mistakes in the past. You can leave those bad choices in the past. Those things that are the devil's reminding you of that's stopping you from the promises. You can leave those things behind you tonight and go ahead and reach towards the promises that are before you. Forget the failures. Forget the mistakes. Pharaoh doesn't have power over you any longer. He doesn't have the ability to stop you. Oftentimes, the only thing that has the power to stop me and the promises of God is me. One of the only things that, that stops me and the promise God has for my life is me. So many times. And this leper, he said, if we just keep sitting here, not only do we not need to go backwards, but then he said, but if we just sit here, we will also die. Let's be real, he said, sitting here is not getting us anywhere. <laughs> Doing the same thing over and over isn't working for me. We will starve if we go back into the city, but make no mistake, we will definitely starve if we stay here on this wall. If we stay sitting here at this gate. And just as much as God didn't make you and design you to walk backwards, God also did not, did not design us to stay stagnant. He did not create us to stay where we are. Just as much as Mario couldn't go backwards, Mario couldn't stay in the same place for very long. And I believe that God is calling someone here to another level. I believe that God is calling someone higher. I believe that God is, has a, a deeper relationship with him that he's calling someone to. God has a ministry for someone tonight. That ministry may not involve a microphone. It may not involve a platform. But that ministry that God's calling you to, maybe, and I, I, I'm amazed by the pictures that, that Brother Hunter put up on the screen, that you were, you were training, teaching Bible studies one to another so that you could open up a door to teach that Bible study to someone in your world. I, I'm so thankful for that and what's happening in this church. I believe revival is here. Anybody else believe revival is here? What these lepers, I can hear them say is, I don't just want survival, but I want revival. I don't want just survival. I don't want to just sit here, but I want to move forward. I want to get all that God has for my life. I want everything that he's promised. I want to walk into the, the promises of God in my life. I'm not satisfied with just life, but I want abundant life. I want God to do something in my life, and I've got to get up from here.
So that leper told the other three boys, there's only one way that gives us any hope. There's only one option that gives us any chance of living, and that is walking into the camp of the enemy. Man, what a scary predicament. Four feeble, starving, dying lepers. What leprosy would do, it would cause your, your skin and, and your bones just to, to rot away. And they, it could cause someone, they could have had one leg or, you know, uh, missing fingers or, or different things. And they, they were, would have been very weak. And they said, well, our only option is to march towards the enemy's camp. Our only option is to gear up and, and storm the camp of the enemy. And if they let us live, then, then great. But if not, what do we have to lose? And in spite of all the reasons why they shouldn't move forward, all it took for these men to move was a little bit of hope. There's power in a little bit of hope tonight. I don't know how desperate the situation is. I don't know how dire the, the, the medical report is. It takes sometimes is just a little bit of hope. Some of you have friends and you, you, they've been on your heart and you want to say something to them and you want to talk to them about God and you want to maybe invite them to church and, and, you, and you think, they will never want to go to church with me. There's no chance that they'll ever want anything to do with God. I found out that those are the people that are usually the hungriest sometimes. Those are the ones that are really looking for something and really starving for, for truth in their life. And, and we look at someone or something and we think that, that situation is so hopeless but there's so much power and just a little bit of hope and just a little bit of faith. Someone tonight needs to stop looking at that giant that's standing in your promised land and begin to consider the God that is fighting for you, not the giant that's fighting against you, not the situation and the enemy that you're, that you're trying to overcome, but the God that is on your side. There's always going to be reasons why you can't. There will always be reasons why this isn't going to work and reasons why you, you should just not walk by faith any longer. But I wonder if there's someone here that's going to make up their mind. I'm going to put my hope, my trust, my faith in an almighty God. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what situation you're looking at. I don't know what God is calling you to. And we look at ourselves and we say, I, there's no way I'm strong enough. We look at what we have to offer. There's no way I could ever do it. There's no way I could ever make that journey into the enemy's camp. There's no way I could walk into my junior high or my high school or my workplace and I can be a light there. There's so much against me. There's so much that I have to overcome. But listen, if God is for you, if God is for you, if he's on your side, nothing can be against you. Maybe God is waiting on someone tonight to take a step in faith. I wish tonight that we could get a glimpse of heaven's armies that are on our side like Elisha's servant did. The Bible says that Elisha and his servant in 2 Kings chapter 6, just a chapter previous to the story of the four lepers, the Bible says that Elisha and his servant were surrounded by an army with horses and chariots getting ready to attack. I didn't give this verse to you, but it's in 2 Kings 6, 15 through 17. And the Bible says, and when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army. Someone say an army. Surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And a servant said to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? Has anyone ever asked that question to God? God, what can I do? What is there to do? 
he asked this desperate question to his master, what shall we do? So he answered in verse 16, do not fear. For those who are with us are more, someone say more, than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. They were surrounded by an army. They were surrounded by horses and chariots. And Elisha prayed, God, I want you to open up the eyes of my servant that he might see. I want you to open up his spiritual eyes so that he would comprehend not what is against him, but I want him to understand what is for him. And the Bible says that he looked again after he had prayed over his servant, and he looks up at the hills, and he sees horses and chariots of fire. I think they were there the whole time. He just didn't know. They were surrounding them the whole time. There was an army on their side the whole time. And God opened his eyes so that he would see. And tonight my prayer for every young person, for every saint that's in this church, is that God would open up our spiritual eyes so that we would see the armies that are surrounding us. Come on, the heaven's armies that is all around us, that is fighting for you, that is on your side, that goes everywhere that you go. Come on, greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. I wonder if right now, if we would lift up our hands to heaven. Come on, I wonder if you would pray right now over your eyes, over your faith. Jesus, I pray, open up my eyes. God, I pray, God, that I wouldn't just see the evidence of the armies that are surrounding me, the things that are against me. God, but I pray that you'd open up my eyes to all that is for me. God, I pray that you'd open up my eyes and my comprehension, God. Lift my faith, God, and let me put it all in you and understand that if you're for me, nothing can be against me. Can you clap your your hands to the Lord right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And you may think, well, what does that have anything to do with the lepers? I want you to notice what happened to these four lepers when they began to move. We read it. The Bible says in verse 5 that they rose at twilight. They got up from the gate. And they said, they said we're going to go. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, the Bible says, no one was there. An empty camp. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians, listen to this, to hear the noise of chariots, the noise of horses, and the noise of a great army. So that they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. And they left their camp intact. They left their food. They left their supplies. They left their horses, everything, back at the camp. And they fled for their lives. Did you catch that, what they heard? As these four feeble lepers began to walk, as these four feeble lepers began to move from their comfort zone, as they began to get out of the place that they had been sitting for a long time, and they were in a desperate situation, and they began to march towards the camp of their enemy, the camp didn't hear four feeble lepers walking towards them. The camp didn't hear, it's like when you're deer hunting and you hear squirrels in the woods. It sounds like elk coming through. And that's what they heard in the spirit. They heard the sound of horses, the sound of chariots, and the sound of a mighty great army that was coming towards the camp. I want you to know when you walk into your junior high or high school, the enemy doesn't just hear your footsteps, 
But if you go in the name of Jesus, the enemy hears the sound of horses, of chariots, of a mighty great army. Heaven's armies are on your side. Come on, someone needs to believe what the, what the Word of God says. Someone needs to believe that God is actually for you. Someone needs to believe that God actually goes with you. Come on, Joshua, when you put your feet in the next place, every soul that the foot your foot treads upon, every place that your foot goes, I'm going to give it to you. I've promised it to you. If you've been promised friends in your life, if you've been promised family members, people that are lost right now and you've been praying over them and you've been believing for them and you feel God tugging at your heart to minister to them and speak a word into their life or encourage them, so what that would do. You never know what's going on in their heart or their mind right then. You don't know what they've been facing. You don't know what maybe, you, you just, you had no idea that they were facing something and you sent them a text or you said, hey, I want you to know I love you. Hey, I want you to know I believe in you. Hey, I want you to know I've been missing you lately. And you never know what would happen, what could happen in their life. We need to turn our what ifs around. And what I mean by that is I say what if, I say something and, and I missed it. What if God asked me to pray for somebody and nothing happens? What if I step out of the boat and I sink? What if God calls me and, and I was so afraid to public speak, I'll just be honest with you. And the first time I ever did it, my youth pastor asked me to do it, and I did. I fell right on my face. I got like 10 seconds into it. I read my verse, and I walked back because I was so afraid. But you know what? What if I fail, but what if I break through my comfort zone and God does something great? What if I might lay my hand on somebody and pray and something does happen? What if a miracle takes place? What if I speak into someone's life and it turns everything around for them? What if it's just what they needed to hear in just the right moment? What if I, I step out of that boat and I walk on water? What if I speak a word of faith and, and a mountain moves? What if I walk up to the front and I lift my hands and God fills me with the Holy Ghost? What if... Come on, someone's asking the what if in fear. Someone's asking the what if this happens and that happens. And God is wanting someone to look past all that's against you and begin to look at who is for you. What if I walk into my junior high and my high school and I teach a P7 club and so what if I walk towards the camp of my enemy and it, they scatter. The last law of motion, and I'm coming to a close tonight, is that for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. When the lepers began to move, God began to move. For every step that they took, heaven's armies took with them. When the lepers began to walk, their enemies began to scatter. James 4.8 says this concept of an action and a reaction. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. And what? Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God. And God will draw nigh to you. And I'm not going to, I don't want anyone to think that this action and reaction thing, this is a formula for faith. I don't want someone to think every time I lift my hands and I, I uh, you know, worship just right and hold my mouth a certain way, then God's going to show up. No, there's not necessarily a formula, but there is a principle. That God responds to faith. That God moves when I move. That heaven's armies show up. When I begin to act and trust God, his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are thoughts. He may not respond exactly the way I thought he would, but that's part of having faith, believing that all these things are going to work together for the good. 
But I do know that every time I exercise my faith, there's an equal and opposite reaction that takes place. It may not be something that I can see or something that I can feel, but when I move, God's moving with me. The Bible says in Matthew 18, 18, Whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I believe God is reacting to the faith that's in this room even right now. God is reacting to the faith that's in this place even right now. When you walk into your school in faith, I believe God pays attention to it. Whenever you pray for a friend, God is paying attention to it. And when those lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, and I felt this in the Holy Ghost, they've already gotten victory, the the enemy is scattered, and they walk in and they begin to to enjoy the spoils of victory. They go, go one tent to the other. They're eating, they're drinking, they were starving. And they run and find all the food that they can, all the water that they can, and they begin to sustain themselves. It says that they carried silver and gold and clothing, went, hid it. Then they went to another tent, did the same thing. Then the Bible says that they, all of a sudden, it's like a light bulb moment, and they said, we are not doing right. This day is a day of good news, and we remain silent. This is a day of victory, and we're, we're hoarding all these blessings to ourselves. We're not the only ones starving, and we found, we found some good news, and we've, we've gotten victory now. And we're just, we're just going to remain silent? They said, we've got to go back to the camp. We've got to take this back to the city. We've got to take this back to the people within those walls that are starving. Tonight, I pray there's victory. I pray, pray there's freedom. I pray God pours out his spirit on every person in this room. But ultimately, the blessings and the power of God are not to be maintained in this room. But what God is wanting to do is he's wanting victory to pour out of these walls. He's wanting a city of Poplar Bluff to hear and receive the good news that God's done in your life. There's a testimony in here that someone needs to hear out there. There's a miracle that's happening here that someone is looking for out there. There is hunger and thirst out there that someone needs to know what you've received in your school or your workplace. This victory is not just for for me. I can't remain silent. I wonder if we could stand all over this place tonight. The victory is not just for you. I want us to understand this tonight. The victory is not just for me. The victory is not just for me. But the victory that God's given me might be for someone in my life that God is wanting to reach through me. That Bible study practice that you're doing, someone's waiting on that Bible study. Someone's waiting to hear those words of life. Oh, dear God. And I want someone to know that you have a voice that needs to be heard. You have a voice that this world needs to hear. A voice of truth that this world is hungry for. A voice that you cannot remain silent any longer. But if there's victory in your life, you need to share it with someone. Oh, God. If God has given you blessings and promises, you need to let somebody know about it. This is what God did for me at church on Sunday night.
This is what God's doing in my life. This is where God's brought me from. Can I encourage you? Can I share with you? I wonder if we can lift our hands all over this place. I wonder if right now, if we could just begin. Come on, stop looking at all the weaknesses. Stop looking at all the insecurities. Stop looking at all the reasons why you can't speak and all the reasons why you can't minister and all the reasons why you can't do what God is calling you to do. Because I want you to know that if God is for you tonight, God is going to use you. If God is for you, there's nothing that can stop you. Oh, all you've got to do is begin to move in faith. All you've got to do is begin to lift up your voice. All you've got to do is trust in Him. And I promise you, God's going to give you victory. And God's going to give them victory. The lepers, they had a little bit of hope. What if? What if I said something? What if I moved? What if I did what God's calling me to do? I might fail. I might make mistakes. I might not be perfect. But what if revival pours out in my school? Come on, what if my workplace, what if a miracle happens? What if lives are changed? (laughs) Come on, somebody. I wonder if you'd right now begin to move. I wonder if you'd right now step out in faith. I wonder if you'd right now lift up your voice. Come on, I can't remain silent. I can't remain silent. I wonder if you'd begin to intercede. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Oh, God, there's people that are hungry. There's people that are lost. God, there's people that are dying, God, and you've given me the good news.